Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Our burden is that through the ministry, our love for the Lord Jesus may increase and grow, and that we may live singly and purely unto him as his bride for his delight, satisfaction, and rest. Welcome to the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Before us, we sit with eager anticipation of our life study of the Book of Romans, beginning today. And we are very happy once again to have Ron Kangas join us for this initial life study. And I think that we can guarantee our listeners the same new and fresh look at this monumental book in the New Testament, the Book of Romans. And Ron, welcome back. It's awfully good to have you with us. Our God is a God of newness, and we enjoy him and apply him for this new start in the Life Study series. Ron, historically, Romans has been presented and studied as one of the great books of Christian doctrine and theology. And certainly we will recognize it in this way and touch these bulwarks of the truth. But that will not be our primary emphasis in this life study of Romans, will it? No, it will not be our primary emphasis. But before I comment on what the primary emphasis will be, I wish to point out that we in no way intend to minimize the significance of Romans as a basic book of doctrine and theology. There is no way to sidestep the great doctrinal matters in this book. Our burden is to build upon these doctrines, taking them as the foundation, to show how the book of Romans itself is, in its own words, a book of redemption, life, and building. We need to go from the beginning to the end all the way from being sinners to sons of God to members of the body of Christ, living a practical church life for the body. So we need to see redemption in the earlier chapters. Redemption with justification brings in life, and this life is the life that produces and builds up the body of Christ, expressed in genuine local churches. This is a bird's-eye view of the coming life study of Romans. May the Lord bless it, and may the Lord bless us. Ron, just as a word of 
information for our listeners. We will touch the book of Romans consecutively pretty much in the coming weeks, going from chapter 1 through the finish of the book, and then we will spend a significant amount of time to revisit really the high points and go through the book again more topically. Let's join Witness Lee. How we thank the Lord that he has afforded us this training. A training that will cover a proper Christian life with a proper church life. We will pay our full attention to life, to the Christian life as well as the church life. This means we are not here for any training in doctrines, yet we still need the basic principle truths from the divine word. So this time the whole training will be fully on the book of Romans. Firstly, we have to look into the whole Bible. The Bible is a romance. If you do know the Bible, you will realize it is really so. The Bible is a romance. In the most holy sense. A romance of a couple. An universal couple. The male of this couple is just God himself. He is a divine person. Yet, he desires to be the male of this couple. And this very God eventually has resulted in Christ, who is the husband. And the female is a corporate person, including all the saints of the Old Testament and of the New. After a long process, like God did himself, resulted in the New Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, the first story after God's creation was a story of wedding. And in that wedding, Adam was the type of Christ as the husband. And Eve was the type of the church as the wife. If you do go to Ephesians 5, you will see a couple there, typified by Adam and Eve. Christ and the church are the couple. The secret of the whole universe is that God and his children ones have to be one couple. Hallelujah. Ron, I think that many people may have been somewhat surprised by Witness Lee's introductory word. He begins with an overview of the entire Bible and from the unexpected viewpoint of seeing it as a divine romance. 
I'm certain that you have a bit more to say on this wonderful view. Okay, uh, I'll say a bit more. I hope that this matter is sinking in, at least a little, into our consciousness. The Bible, in a very divine and holy sense, is a love story. This theme runs through the whole scripture. As early as Genesis 2, we have a wife, a counterpart, prepared for Adam. Adam typifies Christ, Eve typifies the church. And at the end, in Revelation, we see the holy city as the wife of the Lamb, the redeeming God. And throughout the scriptures, there is this line of God being the real husband, pursuing his people, wanting to have a holy yet altogether delightful, mutually enjoyable, married life with them. If we approach the Bible in this way, we will be exercised to maintain a fresh, fervent, ardent love for our lovely bridegroom, the dear Lord Jesus. Ron, I really love this view of the Bible and the book of Romans as well. Yes, it is a book of the greatest truths and profound doctrine, but in its essence, it is a wonderful, divine, and human romance. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. In the Old Testament, a number of times, God referred himself to his people as their husband. If you read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Hosea, you could see God was desirous to be the husband, and they were referred to him as his wife. We all know in the Old Testament, among the 39 books, there is one book, the Song of Songs. And what is the Song of Songs? I tell you, the Song of Songs is more than a romance. It's a fantastic romance. It does talk about two falling in love. I don't like to use the term to fall in love, but I cannot deny the fact Here is a female falling in love with a male. Oh, I would that he kiss me. Oh, my beloved, draw me. If you would just draw me a little, don't teach me. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a preacher. I need you. Draw me. We will run after you. Amen. What a romance. Now we come to the New Testament. In the New Testament, no doubt, we have been told that the four Gospels do give us a full portrait of Christ as our Savior. 
I agree with these. But listen, have you noticed that all the four Gospels all tell us that this Christ came to be a bridegroom. And this bridegroom came for his bride. And then in the epistles, we are told clearly, Christ and the church are just like husband and wife, the couple again. And eventually, in the New Testament, you have the book of Revelation that tells us Christ coming as a wedding one. In chapter 19 of Revelation, he's going to have a wedding, and his bride will be the new Jerusalem. And eventually, in the last two chapters of the whole Bible, as a full conclusion, you just have a couple, the husband and the wife, the male and the female. Now, if you come to the book of Ephesians, you could see in Ephesians 5, the church is illustrated as a wife. And in chapter 1 of Ephesians, this church is the body of Christ. See, it's not only Christ's wife, but also Christ's body. Christ is not only her husband, but also her head. So Christ and the church are just when universal corporate man and the church is the body. I do believe by pointing out this, we all should have seen what is the kernel of the divine revelation in the word of God. The kernel is just a couple with the triune God as the husband, with his children people as the wife, and a man with Christ as the head, and with his children people as the body. I tell you, this is altogether what the Bible reveals to us. Well, Ron, the first portion in today's overview focused on seeing the divine romance primarily in the books of the Old Testament. But in this section, it's now been extended and become the theme of the books of the New Testament. Let me ask you, Ron, is it a stretch to say that the entire Bible is a divine romance? I'm sure you know that I'm going to say no, because the Bible in its entirety is a divine romance from Genesis to Revelation. In the prophets, in Song of Songs, you have marriage imagery used many, many times. If one has the opinion that it is a stretch to say this about the scriptures, that may indicate that this dear one may not really know the scriptures that well. It may indicate also that one's view of the scriptures may be governed more by natural or traditional religious concepts than by the divine concept in the Word. As for the New Testament, surely it's part of the divine romance. In Matthew, the Lord presented himself as the bridegroom. In John 3, John the Baptist testified, He who has the bride is the bridegroom. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul said that he 
so to speak, engaged the church to Christ as the husband. In Ephesians 5, we have the married life presented as a picture of the union of Christ and the church. In Revelation 19 and elsewhere, we have the wedding of the Lamb. The New Jerusalem is called the wife of the Lamb. And the Bible, almost at the very end, Revelation 22:17, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. How many husbands and wives are there who speak as one? They're absolutely in harmony. It's beautiful to see this. The Bible will end with the Spirit, the consummation of the process triune God, and the Bride, the consummation of God's redeemed, regenerated, and transformed people, speaking as one because they are one in a loving, eternal marriage union. This is the heartbeat of the Bible. And this heartbeat is an expression of the heart's desire of God to prepare a wedding feast for his son as the husband and his elect, redeemed, regenerated people as the bride. Our life study is devoted to this, not in theory, but in reality. Our burden is that through the ministry our love for the Lord Jesus may increase and grow, and that we may live singly and purely unto him as his bride for his delight, satisfaction, and rest. Ron, I must confess that I did know the short answer to the question before I posed it to you, but nonetheless, I am glad that I asked it. Thank you for the development. We have more of the divine romance ahead in our conclusion today. Here's Witness Lee. Then, something we have to say. That is, the Old Testament is altogether a prediction of two things. Number one, of Christ with plain words. The Old Testament tells you of whom Christ was going to be born and where he was going to be born, and what was he going to do, and so forth. And the Old Testament was also a prediction of the church, not by plain word, but with types, figures, and shadows. As far as plain word goes, the church was never mentioned in the Old Testament. So the church in the Old Testament was hidden as a mystery, but there were many types, figures, and shadows. And these types and shadows regarding the church were mainly of two categories. Number one, the wives of the people who typified Christ, such as Eve, was a type of, of the church. Rebecca, the wife of Isaac, was a type of the church. Ruth was a type of the church. And then Sulamite in Sang Sang. Another category that is the building. The tabernacle was a type 
of the church, and the temple was also a type of the church. Yet the church was not mentioned in the Old Testament with plain words, but it was typified in full. Now, what is the New Testament? The New Testament is just the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Whatever the Old Testament predicted regarding Christ and the church, I tell you, it was fully fulfilled in the New Testament. Now, in the New Testament, we have firstly the four Gospels. Do you know that the four Gospels are just a living biography of a wonderful person? Have you seen this Christ? He's not merely just your Savior. He is much, much, much more than a Savior. He's everything. He's a wonderful person. But, following the four Gospels, we do have the Acts. What is the Acts? The Acts is the spreading, the increase of this wonderful person. He was spread into thousands and thousands of his believers. And all his believers became a part of him. So collectively speaking, all the believers with him just became the corporate Christ. Yet we just don't know how the individual Christ could become the corporate Christ. And how we thousands believers of Christ could become a part of Christ. We just don't know. So you have the book of Romans to define to you how the individual Christ could become the corporate Christ and how we all who were sinners, even enemies to him, could become uh all parts of Christ and become his one body. This is why we have to come to this book for the training of the Christian life as well as the church life. Because Romans is a book as a sketch on the Christian life and the church life. Here you do have the position of this book. Ron marvelously witnessed Lee placed the book of Romans in its proper context in the light of this striking portrait of the entire Bible. How will seeing the context of Romans in this way affect our eventual understanding and appreciation of it? I would answer in this way. Romans is, in fact, a book containing many solid foundational doctrines. And Romans is rightly studied as a tract that is the basis for our theology. The danger is that if we approach Romans primarily in this way, we do not hear the heartbeat of God in the scriptures. We get points, but we don't get God. 
We get doctrines, but we don't get life. If that is our situation, then we are reading Romans like others may read history textbooks or legal writings. Our reading and our study of Romans simply must be motivated by our love for the Lord and our realization that this book, a crucial part of the canon, serves a strategic function in fulfilling the divine romance. Even in Romans 7, I believe, Paul uses the imagery of marriage, saying that we have been joined to Christ, that we may bear fruit unto God. In the beginning, I remarked that Romans is a book of redemption, life, and building. All three are related to the heart's desire of God and to the Bible as a divine romance. Redemption, on God's part, was motivated by love. He redeemed us that he may marry us. Our response to the Lord's love and redemption should also be one of love and of offering ourselves to him. In principle, the same is true with the section on life in Romans. The Lord wants to save us not only objectively, but as Romans 5.10 says, much more, organically and subjectively, save us in his life, that in our whole being we may be one with him, blended with him in the most intimate relationship. So on the Lord's part and on our response, life should be motivated by love. Consummately, Romans is a book on the divine building, on the church, on the body of Christ. Christ loved the church, Paul said in Ephesians 5, and gave himself up for it. We as the church, his bride, should love him, and out of love for him, give ourselves to him as our bridegroom, our husband, our head, to be built up as his body, which body will become his bride at his coming back. So how precious it is to read Romans in this context, part of the divine romance devoted to redemption, life, and building. Ron, I believe before the Lord we've had a marvelous introduction and entrance into this book. I look forward to the weeks we have ahead to explore this in this context and in all its depths and riches. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. May the Lord bless us all richly. And if you were intrigued by this view of the Bible and Romans as the divine and human romance, I would very much encourage you to get this life study by calling our toll-free number, which is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, and that is 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. We'll be back with program number two in the Life Study of Romans with Witness Lee. Hope you can join us then, and thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this program. 
For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.